Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Second John, the book of Second John. I appreciate the good singing and uh, appreciate both choirs singing. We don't normally do that, but I sure am glad we did it. Amen. And enjoying the good singing, good worship, and presence of God. I'm glad we're an old-fashioned church and uh, where the God meets with us. Amen. Second John, chapter number one. Amen. Second John, chapter number one. If you have a chapter number two, you don't have the right Bible. Amen. Isn't that right? And uh, so 2 John verse number one. The Bible said, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to your that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God, but he that abideth, but he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any of you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the privilege once again to be back in your house, and I want to thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy as the choirs have reminded us tonight about the grace of God and the salvation of the Lord and the goodness of God. Lord, it's so good just to be in your house tonight and be amongst the living and I pray now that you'll bless these next few moments and may you receive maximum glory and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on reuniting the home and the church. Reuniting the home and And the church. The most interesting phrase in this epistle is found in verse number one where John is writing here. Notice what he says here the elder unto the elect lady. And that elect lady is the great question mark in this uh, epistle tonight because there's several different views as to who this lady would represent. Some say that this lady represents the church and we as believers are the children of that lady as we fellowship within the church that her elect sister in verse number 13 would be a sister church down uh, in that area there. And so some say she represents the church and others uh, would say that this lady represents not the church but she actually represents the nation of Israel. Uh, in the church or in the Bible, uh, nowhere is the church called a lady, uh, but she is called a chaste virgin. But in Genesis chapter 36 and in Ezekiel 36, Israel is called a woman. And so she is referred to, to in the 
Israelite sins as a lady. So some believe uh, that this deals with the nation of Israel. And then others think that it would be Mary uh, because Mary was living in those days and uh, Mary was the aunt of John and James and Jude was his uh, cousins. And so as John is writing this epistle to uh, Mary, he would not call her by her name and certainly she would fit uh, the title elect lady being the mother of our Lord. Uh, But for safety reasons, because they were under Roman rule, it would make sense that if John was writing to his aunt, that he would not refer to her in her name uh, for her own safety and her own title. And so some believe that it would be Mary. Now, if it was Mary that John was writing to, uh, Mary would be a very old woman at this time. And then others believe that this is not Mary, but it does represent an actual woman as well and a lady in that area of influence and of, uh, of standing and that John is writing an epistle to her and that he is addressing her uh, concerning her walk in faith and her children. You might be here tonight and say, well, preacher, with all them different views, being Israel, the church, and Mary, and some other lady in that area, uh, which one is it? Well, the answer is very simple tonight. The answer is, I don't know, amen? Uh, But what I do know tonight is this, that as John is writing this epistle, whether this lady in verse number one represents an actual woman and her home, or whether she represents the church tonight, whichever she represents, John is giving some principles here uh, that will both be good for the home and the church tonight. And I want to take that thought and preach on this subject, reuniting the home and the church. Amen? Because you realize the same principles that works for the church uh, will also work for the home. Amen? And the same principles that work for the home will also work in our church. You know why that is? Uh, Because the church is made up of homes. Amen? And our church will never be more spiritual than our homes. Uh, Our church will never be closer to God than the families and the homes, the moms and dads that are sitting in that congregation. If you have worldly homes, guess what? You'll have a worldly church. Amen? If you have carnal homes, you're going to have a carnal church. Uh, If you want a spiritual church, it doesn't come through songs uh, and through preaching. Those things do help. And I'm not minimizing those, but a lot of people sing the right songs and they even have the right book and the preacher preaches the truth, uh, but they don't have no spirit. Amen? Uh, Because my friend, it's not how uh, so much we are living here and this is important, but I'm telling you people have become uh, professionals at being one thing at home and another thing at the church house. Uh, Now if you want to lose your children tonight, I can tell you in a hurry uh, uh, that if you hypocrite down at the house uh, and then you come to the church house uh, and you put on the mask of religion, uh, listen, they may sing the right songs and they may carry the right Bible, but they'll have no confidence uh, and you can't blame the preacher and you can't blame the church and you can't blame the youth group. Uh, uh, Friend, listen, uh, if you don't have the reality of God in your home, uh, they'll never believe in the reality of God in the church. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, as my children was growing up, I made many mistakes. And as I made those mistakes, probably not near enough or all the time, but whenever I would make a mistake, you say, preacher, what would you do? I apologize to them. Amen. Now, I didn't apologize to them for standing and doing what's right. I didn't apologize to them when I was not sure. But when I knew that I had made a mistake as a parent, I would say, look, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake here. I've asked God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me me. You say, well, I wouldn't do that to my kids. Well, it's just the reality. Amen. And they've got to learn that. And though they may see your mistakes and your flaws, they will overlook those if they know that you're real. Amen. 
So when we think about this tonight, here's what John does in this epistle. Number one, he uh, commends this lady in verse one and two. He praises her and then he challenges her in verses five and six and then he cautions her in verse seven through 11 and finally he closes verse 12 and 13 by comforting her. He has many things that he wants to say to her but everything, every principle that John has to say to this woman here, whether it be the home or whether it be the church, uh, uh, what John has to say to her tonight, every one of these principles are linked with one thing tonight. You know what that is? It's linked to the truth. Amen? Because you see, if we don't have truth tonight, we have no authority. Amen? If we don't have truth tonight, we cannot help anybody. And what brings us together and what makes our church so special tonight, it's not me, it's not you, but it's the truth that holds us together. Amen? You remember what the Apostle Paul said? When he looked at that Christian armor, you know, when he called, when he began to speak about truth, what did he say? He called it the girdle of truth. Isn't that right? Because you know what a girdle is? A girdle was that belt that went around that held everything that that soldier had. It held it together, amen? And you know what holds everything together in a church? What holds everything together in our home? Listen, it's the truth, amen? We must have truth tonight. And so John will give four basic principles. I want to give them to you and be done tonight concerning truth. I want you to see, first of all, in verses one through three here, John tells us, this, the first principle is that we must know the truth. Amen. Look at what he said in verse number one. The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not I only, but notice this, also all they that have known the truth. Amen. Now John tells us in this epistle here that the truth is what connects us. Amen. He says whom I love in the truth. Amen. You know what brought all of us together? It's the truth of God's word. Amen. Had it not been for truth, we'd have never met each other. Brother George, you know why we love each other? Because we love the same book, amen? And the spirit of truth lives inside of every believer that has been born again, amen? Uh, The Bible said in the book of John chapter number eight, Jesus talking about the comforter, he said when he comes, he said he will guide you in to all truth, amen? He said sanctify them through thy word. He said thy word is truth. Jesus said in John chapter number eight also, he said, said this and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. He said in John 14 and verse number 6, uh, he said I am the truth and the life. No way truth and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John chapter 1 and verse number 1 uh, or verse number 14 talking about Jesus Christ uh, the Bible says uh, but grace and truth uh, came by Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad that I know the truth. Amen. I'm glad I've not been deceived tonight. And the more truth you know, the more free you're going to live in this walk of life. And so the truth connects us. And then the truth convinces us. He said, also all they that know the truth. Amen. You know, I'm glad I know the truth about salvation tonight. Amen. I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting my experience, but I'm trusting what God said in this book tonight. You're not going to convince me there's another way because I know the truth tonight. You're not going to convince me that salvation is based on a feeling. It's not, friend. It's based on a fact. Amen. Now, you may feel some things because you're saved, and that's good. Amen. But my salvation's not based on my feelings. It's based on truth tonight. Truth is what convinces us. Amen. My eternal security tonight. 
right. It's not based on me. It's, I'm not keeping myself, but the Bible teaches me uh, that I'm secure in Jesus Christ, uh, and it's what convinces us. Uh, every conviction, every standard uh, that I have tonight, uh, I believe it with all of my heart. And listen, if others quit, we must keep on holding that same standard. Uh, you know why? Because I believe the truth of God's Word. Amen. I was sitting in a vehicle one day with a man and he made this statement to me. He brought up a subject and he said, you know, he said, I wonder, do we really believe that or have we just always believed it because we've heard it preached down through the years? And I'm glad that I could look at that man and say with full confidence, brother, I really do believe that. He said, well, don't you think that, that we could be wrong about it? I said, absolutely not. He said, you think we're right? about?" And it was about separation is what it was. He said, do you think we're right about all of it? I said, every bit of it. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to start putting question marks on things that we have believed down through the years. Uh, that'll warp the mind of young people. And I'm telling you, listen, I'm glad that the convictions and the standards, uh, I'm glad you can find them in the Word of God. Amen. Uh, brother, I'm telling you tonight, uh, the things we believe, uh, uh, we ought to believe them because we've got chapter and verse, uh, and it may not always be in black and white, but if the principle is there, then we go with the principle. Amen. And God has put a lot of principles in that book to live by. And I'm telling you there is peace I'm telling you there's assurance tonight there is consistency there is steadfastness whenever you're convinced by the truth, amen when my children was growing up I would ask them this question, I would say to them now listen, you know we believe this and they say absolutely dad absolutely mom, I say okay I want to give you a little test here, can you tell me in the Bible where we believe that, that's what we do, isn't that right you know why I wanted to know why. If they didn't know, I said, okay, let me tell you here, and let me tell you what this verse means and why it means this. You see, mom and dad's the best teacher. You can set them under preaching all your life, but I'm telling you them one-on-one -on -one conversations about the Bible. Make sure they know why they're a Baptist. Somebody say amen. Make sure they know why they're an independent Baptist. I told them, I said, don't marry a Methodist. Don't marry a Presbyterian. You got to go to heaven with them, but don't marry them. Somebody say Amen. I said, don't marry a Southern Baptist. I'm not at war with a Southern Baptist, but I, did, I didn't raise Southern Baptist children. So I said, don't marry a Southern Baptist. Amen. Now, that may be too narrow for some of you. Amen. But I got no regrets about it. Amen. I'm telling you, you never pull them to where you're at. They always pull you to where you're at. I said, listen, we believe this for a reason. Amen. And so pray and God will send you. Amen. You ain't never seen a blue jay and a robin holding hands. Somebody say amen. I don't care if they are male and female, amen. God knows stick with your own kind, and he's real narrow about that. Somebody say amen. You can write that down the fly leaf of your Bible, friend. You won't never see a blue jay and a robin holding hands, amen. Even birds got enough sense to know that you run with the same crowd, amen. I'm not saying that we got everything right. I'm just saying be what you is, amen, and raise your children that way. You won't never be sorry. Now, somebody's gonna make fun of that. Somebody's gonna have something to say about it. But at the end of the day, when you walk them down the wedding aisle, it does not matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what they think about you. And friend, I want to take them down the aisle with a clear conscience uh, that I had done everything that I could uh, to raise them the way that I believe God wanted me to raise my children. Amen. Had a man say something one night and I said this. I said, brother, simply put, I said, if I thought there was a better way, that's how I would have raised my daughter. Amen tonight. 
Now, brother, I'm telling you, we're living in a time when everybody used to say amen to that. Now, you can say amen or not say amen. Doesn't make no difference tonight. I'm on the other side of it now. And I haven't done everything right, but I know that's right. Amen. You can't raise them tight enough. Somebody, if you believe that, say amen. I mean, tighten up. Don't you loosen up when they hit 15. Your children don't need you to loosen up. They need you to tighten up. Amen. But when you tighten up, don't just say, well, this is what we're doing. And I said so. And that is a good reason to to do it, young people. But give them something. Give them some ammo. Give them the word of God. Give them a chapter and a verse and show it to them in black and white. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Then when all their friends start doing it and all their friends go the other way, guess what? That scripture will come back to their mind and they'll know that mom and dad it's just not some old fogey out there that's just trying to hold on to their beliefs and their traditions. No, they'll know it's in that book, amen? And they'll know why God said and why God said it. Brother, that's a firm foundation, amen? And it convinces us, and that is a basic principle for the home. Have you noticed how in the last 10 years there's been an attack on the home not to really be dogmatic about anything anymore? I'm telling you, listen, people, I know somebody that just the other day, they said, well, you know, I just let Junior do whatever he wants to. If he gets up and he wants to wear, you know, if he wants to dress like Superman today, I just let him dress like Superman. If he wants to wear his pajamas to town, I let him wear his pajamas to town. You know what that's called? That's called not raising your kids, amen? This society that we live in, if you've got any dogmatic belief, they think you're nuts, amen? Well, I might be nuts tonight, but I'm screwed onto the right boat, praise God. And I believe, thank God, I believe there's some things that we ought to stand on. And friend, we ought to know the truth. And it's every parent's responsibility to pass the truth down to your children. Amen. It's not my responsibility to do that. It's not the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. You say, well, you're to preach and they're to teach. Absolutely. But you know what we're supposed to be doing? Reinforcing. What mom and dad is don't there's a difference in raising and training. And I'm afraid that we're there's a generation that's too soft. Amen. Get you a good King James Bible and get you a good hickory, amen, and just raise your kids in the nurture and the admonition and put love in both of them. And I'm gonna tell you something, you'll raise some kids with some morals and some respect and some love and that will have character and will love God. You say, what if they don't turn out right? Then you know you did the best you could. Amen? I'd rather pillow my head at night knowing I did everything I could. And you know what? There's the hope that they will come back. But you've got to know the truth. Parents, you've got to study the truth. Amen? It wouldn't hurt for you to get a commentary and read what those verses of scriptures mean and study them. You don't got to be a preacher to have a library. Somebody say amen. And you don't got to be the size of this room. But you ought to have some books and you ought to learn what the Bible says and go a little deeper than just scratching the surface every now and then. I'm glad I'm saved and I'm glad Jesus is coming. But there's more in that book than just those two truths tonight. And so what I'm saying is if you're going to reunite the home and the church then we've got to know the truth. Amen. As a man of God my responsibility is one of these days I pray that God when I plan on pastoring at least till I'm 95 but I'll pray about residing at 95 and then you know what when I step down the greatest testimony would be that there's still a generation here that's not
not tied to the preacher, but they're tied to this book. They know what they believe and why they believe it. And when the preacher's gone, the work goes on. Amen. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be built around a man. It's supposed to be rebuilt around a book. Amen. And all we're doing is passing the baton of of truth to one generation to the next. And friend, God will get the glory for that. But you got to know the truth. Amen. And then secondly, another principle tonight is not only know the truth, but we must walk in the truth. Amen. Look at what he said in verse number four. He said, I rejoice greatly that I have found of thy children. Notice this, walking in truth. Amen. Now, you know what walking in truth does tonight? Walking in truth is a blessing because John said, I rejoice greatly. Amen. When John heard that these people was walking in truth, what it did for John was it encouraged him. And if you want to be a blessing to somebody, then just walk in the word of God. Amen. It's not enough just to know it, but we've got to live it. We've got to practice it. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, friend, we know we're supposed to say amen when we come to church, but do we practice it? We know, amen, we're supposed to pray, but do we practice it? We know we're supposed to live godly, but are we walking in that truth tonight? You can, you listen, you can memorize chapter after chapter, and you can know it, but if you don't live it, amen, it won't do you any good tonight. He's talk, listen, he's talking about walking. Are we walking in truth tonight? Probably one of the saddest commentaries is this, is that there are people that have sat in good Bible-believing preaching churches for years and never grown any whatsoever. Oh, they know. They just don't live it. And I think we're seeing that in this day and time. People come to church, they like to hear preaching. But what about that living part? What about that walking part? Amen. Do you realize just taking one verse tonight and walking in it, do you realize it can change your life? Amen. I mean, if you just took this one verse and be kind one to another, if you just practice that one truth this week, now I know we would all say, well, we're kind, but are we kind like we should be? I'm preaching to myself. Are we kind to everybody? If you took one verse and said, you know what, this week, I'm just going to practice kindness to everybody I come in contact with. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. The devil's going to send the meanest person you've ever seen in your path that week to see if you're going to be kind. In fact, he's probably going to send somebody by that you ain't seen in 10 years that the last time you saw them, they stuck their tongue out at you or they said they hate your guts. You know why that is? God wants to see if you really mean it, if I really mean it. I'm going to tell you something. Being kind to people is never wrong. Amen. Being kind, I don't care, listen, I don't care how they treat you, I don't care what they've done to you and me tonight, it is always right to be kind, amen? I'm not saying it's always in me, but it's always right, amen? Flying off the handle, losing your temper, having a bad spirit, being ugly to people around you, I don't care if it's family, I don't care if it's on the job, I don't care if it's down at the schoolhouse, not being kind, there's no excuse for it but flesh. Somebody say amen. When we lose our temper, there's nothing spiritual about that. The Bible said, the wrath of man worketh not, the righteousness of God. There's nothing spiritual about getting angry. Even though the Bible says be angry and sin not, what that means is control your temperament. It means pull it back into check. It means to be long-suffering. It means to put a handle on it. Amen? If the fuse is short, dig it out and put a longer one in it. Amen? I'm talking about, friend, be somebody of a spiritual temperament. Just one verse, one phrase could change your life. Isn't that right? If you practice giving, guess what? It would change your life. 
Know the truth. Walk in the truth. It's been it's beneficial tonight. And then it's benevolence. He said in verse number six, he said, and this is love. This is love that we walk in truth tonight. Reuniting the home and church. You know what it is? It's walking in truth. If mom and dad and children was to go home tonight and say, guess what? There's some things we've been doing that's not been pleasing to God and we've got to stop that. We've got to change that. We've got to do something different. We've got to live different than walk in that truth. Amen? And God will bless you for walking in the truth of God's word. And then listen, not only walking in truth tonight, but I see here also that the word of God teaches us that we must abide in the truth truth. Amen. That means we must live by that truth. We, we must practice that truth and keep it in our life. It's not enough just to try the truths of God's word, but we ought to abide in those truths in a way that honors God, in a way that pleases God. It, listen, there ought to be some consistency in what we're doing. Don't just pray for a week. Make prayer a daily practice of your life. Don't just try it for a month. Be consistent in it. Take the simple truths of God's word and abide in it. Why? Look what he said in verse 7. For there are many deceivers that are entering into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. He said, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive, notice this, a full reward. You see tonight, he wants us to abide in the truth because there's a danger of going back. He said that we lose not those things. And then there is a danger of going ahead. He said in verse number nine, he said, whosoever transgresseth, that's to go ahead and abide not in the doctrine of Christ. And then there's a danger of going with. Amen. He said in the next verse, in verse 10, he said, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. Can I tell you something tonight? We're not supposed to even say good day to those, my friend, that are working against the work of God. Amen. Uh, not too long ago, me and Brother Barnes was up in Burnsville, North Carolina, and there was a man that was selling uh, some, uh, uh, he was selling some uh, uh, papers there, the Jehovah Witness. And it was real hard talking to that man to not say at the end of that conversation, well, you have a nice day. We had a kind conversation. He doesn't believe what we believe, and I don't believe what he believes. But at the end of the conversation, I, I found myself almost speechless because I couldn't say, well, God bless you, brother. Have a good day. Because there's a difference and somebody just being lost and someone propagating false doctrine. And I pray that man gets saved, amen. I, I want him to get saved. But the Bible is clear here. And isn't it amazing how we live in a day when that's so foreign to people? When somebody calls trouble in a church, you're to pray for them, but you're not to walk with them, amen. When somebody propagates false doctrine, you're to pray for them, but you're not to walk with them. You know why that is? You know why the Bible highlights those two types of people? One could be saved. The other one is definitely lost. They both could be lost. You know why that is? Is because there's the danger of them pulling you over to the other side. You say, well, I'd never be a Jehovah Witness. I'd never be a Mormon. I'd never be a Catholic. Or I would never uh, go against my church in any way or form or fashion. Friend, the flesh is very deceiving tonight. Amen? And you and I have no idea what we would do outside the bounds of truth. And so the only way to assure that is to be consistent abide in the truth. That means have daily Bible uh, reading and prayer. That means to stay steady in the Word of God. You don't have to be a theologian, but you ought to read it through one, at least once a year. You ought to study the Scriptures. Amen. We ought to memorize and hide the Word of God in our heart that we would not sin. It may hold our home together. It may hold our ministry together. It may be what makes our church more spiritual is if we would memorize the Word of God tonight. 
abide in the truth. And then I want to say this in closing. A fourth principle is not only to abide in the truth and not only to know the truth and to also uh, the Bible talks about here to walk in the truth. But I want you to see in verse number 12, I want you to see here that we must encourage others in the truth. He said, how many things, to I have, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. Now, I want to tell you tonight, it would be very taxing, or it was very taxing for John to speak face to face to these people. But John, his heart was to not just put it in paper and ink, but his heart was to be face to face. You know why? Because John wanted to put emphasis he wanted to put tone on what he had to tell them. He wanted to encourage them. I think as believers, if we want to reunite the home and the church, you know what we got to do? We need to know the Word of God. Amen. This is called Bible Baptist Church. But I wonder tonight, how much Bible does Bible Baptist Church know tonight? Know the truth. Walk in it. Don't just, just, don't, don't just learn it, but live it. Well, when that preacher preaches something, whether it's me or anybody else, that Sunday school teacher is teaching and something convicts you, don't sit in the pew. You say, well, I've been in church long enough. I I don't really got to go down there to the altar and I'll I'll get that right. No, if it convicts you, do something about it. If it challenges you, let it change you. Amen. You know why we come to an altar? That's not, a, that's not a, a formality of a service. But you know why there's an invitation? I believe this is why an invitation is given. is because what we hear sitting out there, we're faced with a conscious decision as what we're going to do with it. Are we going to accept it? Are we going to let it change us? Are we going to let it do something in our life? So when we come down to the altar and we pray about that, what we're doing is we're doing two things. We're confessing whatever we need to confess. Lord, I, I agree with you. I, I'm guilty. I, I know that this is something you have pinpointed in my life. And then we're making a commitment. Amen. In that confession, there's a commitment that we're turning from that and we're turning to Him. Now, brother, if you come to the altar every time with those two things in mind, I'm just going to confess and agree with God against myself because of the truth. I'm not just getting up with a confession. I'm telling you, if that's all you do, you'll go back the same way you came but in that altar I'm going to make a confession but I'm going to make a commitment amen I'm going to make a commitment God I'm not going to do that no more I'm going to make a commitment God I'm going to get rid of that or I'm going to make a commitment God I'm going to change that or I'm going to make a commitment Lord I'm going to spend more time doing this or that but there ought to be a confession and a commitment and friend that brings victory in our life don't you want victory I'll tell you what you got to do encourage people I was thinking about Brother Janelle, I was thinking about Brother Allen the other day. It's been some time back, but it was, it was after one day. I'll tell you, it's been, it's been almost a year ago, I suppose. September, I, I think. It was at his birthday, and I was going to preach down at Canaan Land. And he called me on the way over, and he said, he said, you're going to preach at Canaan Land today. And I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, uh, today's my birthday. I said, well, happy birthday. What's that? October the 4th. He said, it's my birthday. He said, happy. I said, well, happy birthday. He said, uh, well, come on by. He said, you can take me out for my birthday. <laughs> so I preached chapel, picked him up. We went to Cracker Barrel and we ate. And uh, then we left. I thought, well, we're going to go to the house. And he said, uh, let's go get the excursion washed. So we went and got the excursion washed. He said, let's go pick up some paint. And so we went and got 
we got gallons of paint. I have no idea how much paint we got. And then he said, let's go over and see Brother Doyle. He was in the hospital there at Redmond. And he said, let's go over and see Brother Doyle. So we went over there. And I mean, it was like 5 o'clock in the evening. And uh, what a privilege to spend the day with him. But you know, as I was coming back down the road, I got to thinking about our conversation through the day. I mean, I left, I left so encouraged. I left wanting to do more for God. And as I left thinking about that, this is what dawned on me. In all my conversations with him, there's basically two things he will talk about. He'll talk about that book and, li- and living for God, Bible and prayer and living for God. And if he's not talking about that, guess what else he's talking about? Faith Baptist Camp. That's all we talked about. We talked about the Word of God, prayer, and Faith Baptist Camp. And I thought to myself, there's times I've been with him when someone might bring up something about anything, and he'd talk for a minute about that, but then he always goes back to the Bible and prayer and Faith Baptist Camp. Amen. I mean, if you're around him any length of time, he'll give you a thousand posters and tell you to go give it to everybody. Isn't that right? You know why? Because he's an encouragement. As I was going down the road, I thought to myself, you know, I want to be careful what I talk about. Because it may not always be sinful, but it might just be empty. It might not just do anything for the other person. Isn't that what the book says? That we might minister grace unto the hearers. You see, every time we talk, you know what it is? It's an opportunity for each one of us to lift each other up, to draw some strength from each other, and to serve God. And brother, if there's ever been a time when we need people to encourage people in the truth, it's today. I think it would be safe to say tonight that, that every, I think this would be a safe thing to say tonight, that every husband needs his wife to encourage him in the truth. A husband don't just need a wife, and thank God for this, ladies, but he don't just need a wife to just brag on him that he's a hard worker, and and that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But he needs a spiritual wife that will be able to say something spiritual about that book, can have a spiritual dialogue about the Bible. And then every woman, I think she needs a husband that will tell her, she looks pretty and that she's a good cook and that she, she looks nice and those type of things. But I think also, just as important, she needs a spiritual man. Amen. She needs a man that can talk about that book so that when she's got insecurities or she's got struggles, he don't just say, well, it's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. Oh, no. She needs somebody that can say, you, you know what? God said He'd take care of us. God said, casting all care upon Him, He cared for you. I tell you, been some times I, I wouldn't quit, but there been some times I, I got weak. Thank God my wife come along. She said, well, you know, the Bible says this. You know, at the moment, I'm like, don't preach to me. Let me do the preaching. But really, in my heart, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for a good companion that can tell you something about the Bible. Hey, you know what them young people need? They don't just need parents that will just say, clean up your room. No, you know what your parents need to do? You need to get you a verse of Scripture. I'll give you one if you want it. On why every young person should clean their room. And if your room's messy, I want you to come to the altar tonight, okay? You know what you can give them? 
where Solomon said he walked by the field of the slothful. How's your field tonight? Amen. Some of you would have to tie a rope around your waist into the doorknob. Amen. For fear you would never come out alive. Isn't that right? The field of the slothful. Don't let your field be slothful. Amen. Give them some scripture. Give them the book. Amen. Because that stays with them. I'm going to tell you what you young people need. You young people need to talk to your mom and dad. You need to know enough about that Bible. You want to encourage your parents? Read your Bible. And when you read it and you find something, go to them and say, Hey, mom, dad, I found this scripture. Let me, let me tell you what I read today. You talk about thrilling your parents' heart. Don't just do it for that reason. But you ought to do that. Reuniting the home and the church. Our home, the church ought to just be an extension of that. There ought to be some heaven in our home. There ought to be prayers in our home. There ought to be the Word of God in our home. When we go home tonight, it ought not feel awkward to mention God's name in the home. It ought to be as real down there as it is. Amen. When's the last time your children seen you pray? Amen. When's the last time, Dad? When's the last time you got them around in the living room and said, let's have a word of prayer. Let's call on God. Let's just thank God for a good day before we go to bed tonight. Amen. While we stand as they come and get us, they got us a song ready. If you need to come, would you mind God tonight while we sing? What page?